Hello everyone. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. It's Christine and Chido again for another session of the Africa I Share podcast. Before I introduce today's topic, may I just say that it's so pleasant to be here and with you, Christine, and having another discussion. So maybe if you can just uh, say your shout out and then I can introduce the discussion. Thanks. Thanks, Chido. And it's always a great, great pleasure to have you. Uh, so my name is Christine. I'm based in Kenya and I'm a regular this uh, podcast. Uh, so Chido, you can introduce the topic, then we get started. Okay, thank you. So we, today we've decided to talk about um, a topic that has been um, ongoing for a very long time now. There has been so many reports, papers, videos, and all that have been circulating um, in respect of the Russian-Ukrainian war. And um, there have been quite a lot of uh, divergent views in respect of whether, and, and I think it has been mainly focused on whether or not Putin is right. And I think we would like to take the discussion a little bit further, uh, f- far from politics, and really try to talk about how the conflict has actually, you know, impacted global trade. So maybe to just give a background, Christine, not necessarily about the war, but uh, how global trade had uh, been disrupted in the past, I'll say, two to three years uh, since COVID. 2019, as we already know, because we were under lockdown for a very long time, there was the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, which needs no introduction. And um, it had quite a lot of ripple effects on global trade. So if, you, if, if, for, if you're not as Christian, there has been a move towards um, free markets, trade liberalization, you know, preferential trade terms and all, et cetera, that just forms part of a liberalizing trade and making sure that we've got free and open markets. Um, but then you realize that because of the COVID pandemic, there was a law that was happening. There were a lot of protectionist measures that were put in place. You had most countries closing up their borders. You know, uh, that impacted supply chains. Um, processing times at borders became ridiculously, you know, high, uh, which obviously necessitated a high rise in trade costs. Um, and now, after the pandemic, not necessarily after the pandemic, because we still have got other countries that are putting in uh, COVID-19 co- uh, containment measures, but it almost feels like mid-2021, looking into 2022, the overall goal has been to try and, you know, um, revive trade, uh, attract foreign investment, open markets, to make sure that you know, we try and revive economies that had gone down as a result of COVID-19. And if you go on the World Bank indicators, you'd realize that the 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 the, the, the GDP for the whole world really shrank so drastically because of COVID. And lately, conversations, even at WTO level, has been what can we put in place to make sure that we revive global trade? And then now we have the Russian-Ukrainian war that is seemingly taking people three steps back. All the efforts that have been put in place to try and revive global trade have become to naught because of what's happening right now. So I don't know, Christine, maybe you can share your thoughts on what's happening and how 
that is actually disrupting global trade. And I know very well that you would so much want to talk about the price of gas mm -hmm. because everybody has been crying even in social media that um, all of a sudden we've got uh, gas prices going up ridiculously high. And this time we're not blaming our government because this is something that is way beyond all, uh, I mean, their control. Christian? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chido, thanks for that. And uh, to say that indeed uh, we are just, you know, like going back to, uh, you know, like uplifting the economies and coming back uh, with the trade and international travel. And just when that starts, um, now the war breaks out, which now has led to like another issue of even travel because of the fuel prices so and uh when you think about it this is as much as it's a war between russia and ukraine you you think it's so removed from uh, your reality where you are at in kenya in zim in ghana in you know like you name it but you realize that the effect of the war has been is now being felt so i'll give two examples uh so yeah so i so i live in kenya and there was a day i was doing some basic uh shopping of things and then i went to this shop and i was speaking to the owner and asking them why is it that they have increased their prices so suddenly and then they tell me uh because the previous week they were trying to import uh some product some input uh that they that goes into the product and because of the a big percentage of it comes from Russia and because of the sanctions uh, the prices have really shot up you know uh, for a minute that I, I, I was taken aback I, I wondered really but then bringing it closer is the fuel so uh, in the last let's say three weeks there's first it started with a fuel uh, shortage in Kenya where now what happened was that you had to queue to get fuel and then also after queuing you may not uh, you, you possibly could not were not going to get the fuel uh, personally i remember going to like the uh, the fuel station and there's a cap of how much you you can fuel and then uh, shortly thereafter the prices shot up like incredibly shot up i know it's not uh, you cannot even compare it to like uh the situation like in the us where like uh the prices are have skyrocketed but uh, for a normal consumer in kenya personally i would uh, the amount of money I would have spent to fill up my car, I'm spending like twice of that uh, to fill up. So, and when you ask like, uh, what's the situation like? Uh, it's because when you when you read and, and look, uh, what has really happened is that because of the sanctions that have been placed on Russia and being a very, very big oil uh, exporter to the world, because of the sanctions, the oil is not, is not coming and most countries are not buying. So this has... Um, the demand is higher than the supply which when you consider during covid uh the supply was more than the demand if you remember at some point Chido, during covid the price of fuel was so low that uh the the people who are producing it were making serious losses in fact so that even at the fuel stations uh the, there was there was even a joke that you should go and get free fuel because the price it, it was almost at a throwaway price uh, but then also again what happened during covid uh, to cut on the wastage uh, the suppliers reduced how much they were supplying because there was not much demand and now suddenly they have to reverse so that now the those who had cut production uh, maybe cut back on the employees cut back on 
the hours that were being put to produce the fuel now uh, they are not even upscaled to be able to meet the demand that's in the market right now so uh, chido uh, i think uh, those are the initial comments that i wanted to make thank you christine so much for bringing out the fuel issue because it leads me to another um earlier conversation uh, if you would recall christine there was a time there was uh, there was so much drama going on in the OPEC countries, Saudi Arabia, all of a sudden saying it's no longer giving out a fuel. And you remember very well that there was a global crisis, right? And I think this then shows us that um, ultimately tensions between one or two countries are generally not going to affect um, those two countries, especially now that um, the whole world is sort of interdependent, right? So in as much as you know we have all been pushing for you know free markets and 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 liberalized trade and investment i genuinely think that as long as we can't be you know unified to the core that will always be our greatest downfall because the moment that the us and china fight you know very well that one one item is going to go up drastically so people have been focusing on um on, on, on fuel and I understand but nobody has really been considering the prices of bread and flour mainly because most grain it comes from Russia and Ukraine and shipments through the Black Sea port have also been halted which will obviously affect the the price the prices of bread in most countries because I mean I was so shocked to realize that quite a lot of countries actually export I mean they import um, what, what, what do you call that um, wheat from Russia we export, we import uh, fertilizers from Russia and Ukraine. And as long as there is going to be a conflict there, I don't think that, um, you know, there's going to be any, 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 any imports that are going to be happening. Um, so, so now my question to you, Christine, is do we really, really or honestly have to continuously push for liberalized markets and all that? Or maybe we now need to then um, consider countries being self-reliant when it comes to most of these um, basic commodities. Obviously, we can't necessarily say that every country has to be oil producing because that's a natural result, right? But we also have got countries like South Sudan, you know, it has got the big, I mean, one of the, the, the largest deposits of oil um, in the world. You've got Nigeria, those countries. Why are they not producing enough to 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 meet the demand that's happening on the glo- uh, globally why are we all of a sudden you know crying because two countries have decided that they want to be um you know they, they there's going to be a dispute and it's going to be protracted and i also wonder you remember again i will make reference to the saudi arabian issue that um oil prices went so dr- so low like drastically low and they were like no we're not going to do that because of obviously trade wars and whatever and whatever. There was a time that the US and China were fighting and China decided to tamper with its currency and all these other issues. My question is, and again, it ends up affecting global trade. So do we really need to push for liberalized markets or rather we say countries have to be self-reliant, we need to industrialize and make sure that we're self-reliant on most of these other issues. What do you think, Christian? Hmm. Chino, that's a good question because uh, I think even in our past discussions, one of the learning points we were raising from COVID is that domestic industries should industries should be able to meet at least uh, the to have the capacity to produce uh, basic things like that time it was the protective wear, uh, but right now 
it's 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 even a again comes back where you ask uh, globalization as good as it is um the impact that it has when two countries go to war or they're in dispute it's felt globally and it chido you, you you've said on like bread and uh so food uh fuel and also like the construction sector as someone was telling me because they get a lot of steel from russia right now the construction sector like uh, the building industry is also quite affected uh, the prices of importing so so to answer that question i would say i think there, there needs to be a balance uh because as you said if if you can't produce oil and you have none there's you really have to import it but then also it brings me back to like the africa continental free trade area nigeria here has oil deposits which it is which are which it's able to supply uh, across africa like ideally you'd imagine that because there's oil in nigeria we should not be feeling the impact um as much because you can easily get it uh, from within africa so if like there's the africa continental free trade area people are actually trading and nigeria is able to refine uh, the oil and be able to export petroleum products you know uh, diesel kerosene uh, if it's able to export this then it would caution a bit when when some of these things come even things like wheat uh there are countries within africa that grow wheat uh, like in kenya wheat is grown but i don't think it's uh, enough to export uh but if like people uh, countries focused especially on like production of some of these things where there's potential to do that then i would think especially within like the africa continental free trade area that might help to caution us a bit uh, and also chido when you think about it uh things like uh food if within africa because there's fertile fertile lands for farming if countries actually moved uh, a bit more to more commercial farming over with a mind to export then it might help especially on the food side but i know food security is an issue for almost all african countries even when there's farming or uh, because we rely on the on the rains then we are very much affected and then there's always uh, food shortage of basic things like maize uh wheat uh beans you know like such things and you realize it really literally affects a country and they have to like even get aid uh, someone is donating maize to you so uh chido i think uh, it's it's i think there needs to be a balance because we can't do away with globalization in its entirety but then especially because of the regional communities you can try and balance off through the regional communities so that you can leverage what the other person has thank you for bringing out uh, the concept of regional integration christian i'm just going to play the devil's advocate and i apologize in advance but uh, my question is let's look at africa right we have had the regional economic communities exist even before the African Continental Free Trade Area. We have got EAC, ECOWAS, SADAC, COMESA, uh, IGAD, and oh, CCMA what, for Central African countries and all. My question is, what is it that they have done to probably bridge the gap? Because it seems as if they has, we've been singing the same song since our ancestors that Africa is the primary commodity exporter, right? No processing whatsoever. We we we, we don't even process chocolates in in Africa. You know, we 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 export our cocoa to Switzerland, and Switzerland then 
um, processes it into chocolates and we buy them very expensive, you know. Um, but we've got Ghana, Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire. Those are the cocoa-growing uh, countries. So my issue now is, how then do we expect that the FCFTA is going to perform miracles? And all of a sudden, you know, we change the narrative because we've been existing in these regional economy communities. We have been having preferential trade terms, right? But again, think about it, Christine. I remember when I was um, at some, working at some, at some organization and we were calculating trade, uh, transportation costs and, and trade costs and whatever. And we realized that it's actually very expensive for Mozambique to trade with South Africa than it is for Mozambique to trade, trade with Portugal, just looking at transport costs. So my question is, how then are we going to ensure that you know we do away with all that because evidently if it's going to be very cheap for a country to import uh wheat from russia i do not think that there is any point in trying to import wheat from kenya where it's very expensive so my issue now is really should we rely on those regional blocks these trading blocks or we just have an inward looking policy so think about it when, when when we were having COVID, right, and and most countries, Russia included, they closed their borders, and there were no like there was nothing. People couldn't import masks, uh, sanitizers, and all that. And most countries had to actually rise to the occasion. You had people, you you had uh, countries like Uganda, for for instance, you know, having um, the SMEs making masks and sanitizers and and PPE, right. Uh, protective uh, equipment just because there was a pandemic and they couldn't import it from somewhere else. And I'm saying, why can't we do that with almost every other commodity that we can, that is within our power? Obviously, there are some that you can't produce because you generally do not have those. With those, that, let's say wheat and, 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 and whatever, why can't we do it on ourselves? Why do we necessarily have to rely? Because I think the problem now with comparative advantage, in as much as I really like the idea, is if we are then just going to say Kenya focuses on its comparative advantage, which is probably uh, flowers and, 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 and vegetables and, and, yeah, fresh produce. And then we've got Uganda focusing on, um, let's say, fisheries. And then you've got Zimbabwe focusing on maize, right? When there becomes a trade dispute between Zimbabwe and Kenya, that obviously affects the supply of fresh produce and maize. Why don't we have Kenya also trying to look for places or arable land within their borders where they can also make maize enough to probably sustain the economy? Yeah, Chido, you have a point. I mean, you have a point there. And uh, I would say also a, a previous discussion that we've had, but uh, the thing is that the trade that even happens within the regional blocks is of the subsistence and very small traders. Like you find the person who is trading uh, within the EAC, the people who are trading there, is the one person who imports, uh, I don't know, uh, just small quantities of clothes from Uganda to come sell in Kenya. It's someone who is importing eggs, uh, not in huge quantities uh, from Tanzania into Kenya, someone buying onions. It's very small. It's the small traders who, who are uh, going across borders to buy things yeah, and trade. Uh, which I think it helps a bit because uh, in in terms of there would be without this trade there are people who would be completely and totally cut off from 
you know like being being able to make a living or even uh, for the small food supplies like uh, Kenya gets egg, gets eggs through these traders from Uganda so a bit uh, there's a bit of like food coming in uh, when there's shortage uh, but to answer you I, I would say that if these regional communities yeah first of all if uh, Kenya and Tanzania do not always have to dispute and try to weigh who are who is more powerful than the other and who can uh you know like you know deny the other some benefit and focus on a common goal uh so that if what we are working towards is we know this need for food security between our two countries then i think it might help a bit but in reality i don't think that will happen but then also at the same time to be inward looking uh, like south africa has been accused from various documents economic reports that south africa is very inward looking uh, if you consider like chido in south africa south african industries they try as much as they can to be very self focused uh, on south africa and if there is any if anything they try to export so you find like uh, people like shoprite or uh people like pick and pay they will be trying to export uh, within the southern uh, the southern region so the pick and pays will be in namibia they will be in zim uh, but then rarely will you find like such a a store going to open shop in south africa because the systems within south africa their setup is that there is a lot of inward looking so much so that even the disputes that are normally there that uh, foreigners should not come work in south africa that jobs should go to south africans first it's the inward looking uh, aspect of it where you're like we are south africa we will contain ourselves in here we are not going to help our neighbors in fact the rand should be used uh, within the southern region without like looking at but what about the zim dollar what does this do to the zim dollar what does it do uh, to namibia when the rand is the currency that's operating there so uh, what has happened with being inward looking is that most countries tend to be once you've grown your industries in, inside uh, because you be, the market becomes saturated like within south africa uh, they will want to sell their goods out they will want to push out some of the production that they are having and then now what happens is that for the smaller countries which are not able to equally export or produce themselves the economies end up being uh, pressed down and pushed down by these industries that are more grown from these other countries so i don't know if you get what i'm saying but i think being inward looking is good but eventually because the market gets saturated the countries will tend uh, to almost try and uh, take over the markets of the other countries which in the long run what happens is that now there will be like south africa with a giant angola nigeria and then their neighbor right there uh, is first of all not being allowed to move into south africa because the the people there feel like these are foreigners but also at the same time south africa is one that's selling its products to you so your industries are not growing and yet at the same time you cannot go into this country to uh, you know to work there yeah chido Thank you so much, Christine, for saying all that. Like I said earlier, I was just saying that to play devil's advocate so that we get, uh, because that's always what, uh, what's in other people's minds, to say, okay, fine, if this is not working, if globalization is not working, why, do we, why don't we go back to protectionism? But without actually realizing that protectionism itself has its own consequences that are adverse to the economy. So, yeah. I think ultimately we. I, I I don't I don't know if I can propose a solution at this at this point because clearly 
there is not very much of a solution other than to say the war has to stop and um, the world has to go back to being fully functional. Um, I actually just wanted to say that the only reason why now most people are becoming quite attentive to the conflict in Russia has a lot to do with the fact of with the fact that it has affected commodities. But if you notice, there is so much that's happening and people are not talking about it. You know, regard is not being given to the conflict in, in Ethiopia. Um, we have had several conflicts in, 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 in South Sudan, Sudan, DRC, that belt, right? We have so much going on in Burma right now, but people are not really focusing on that because it has no effect on global trade to some extent. And I think we need to really just then change that narrative to say we only uh, become very much concerned when it has got an, a direct, inf- uh, direct effect on us and actually not you know, be bothered by what's happening across the globe simply because it doesn't affect us. The... The, 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 the Russian-Ukrainian crisis actually showed how um, the conflict, if it's allowed to spiral and go out of hand, how it can actually affect not just the two countries involved, but more or less even the least developed countries that have nothing to do with that, that are not even in close proximity with those countries, because now we're becoming a global village. Um, we have become a global village. We have always been preaching the globalization um, and liberalization of markets gospel. So because of that, it now has direct consequences. And I think that um, we, we, we really need to figure out how to stop these things from happening from time and, and again, Christian. Hmm. Shido, I find it interesting what you say, that there's been ongoing war in Ethiopia. You know, like the, the wars that have been in Ethiopia, in Somalia, in Somalia, and see, thing is that there hasn't been much comment, and it being treated as a crisis of the kind that Ukraine or and and Russia is. Not not that I'm downplaying or discounting what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, but as you pointed out, it's because the global economy is a capitalist economy. It's if if you're if you're fighting with your neighbor and it's not hurting me economically, I wouldn't I wouldn't be bothered. The most I would do is possibly just send humanitarian help to you, send aid to you. But we won't sit down and start, you know, like saying, maybe you should end the war, you should do this. Uh, how, because how many times is Ethiopia ever spoken about in, in the same amount of uh, focus and the length of proportion that the Russia-Ukraine situation is being spoken about? And I think it's because of what you said. Uh, if, if, if you're not being affected economically, if your pocket is not being affected, you just keep quiet and possibly, you know, just tell them stop. But really, you didn't uh, be bothered much. Uh, but then also, uh, the other thing uh, about that also is that there's, there's also the need to, you know, like f- define uh, what is the issue here. When it comes to economics, uh, then I think because people are feeling the pinch, then it is really, really painful for people globally. When it's a humanitarian crisis, which is just, you know, like a humanitarian crisis, I don't think in honesty people are bothered to the same extent. Uh, especially right now, in fact, I don't know if it's happening in Zim, but in Kenya the other day, I was listening to some uh, radio station where they're fundraising for Ukraine. So there's like a, a, a national uh, call for people who who would like to help the Ukraine, the Ukrainians, uh, to send a certain amount of money, uh, and then says it's a message from the government of Ukraine. Uh, 
I've never heard that about Ethiopia. I mean, I've never heard like in, on a Kenyan radio station someone fundraising for Ethiopia, Ethiopians who are suffering, or you know, South Sudan people, which I found very interesting. And and it was and also when I was in the UK uh, earlier last month, it was the same message over and over again. Oh, we are fundraising for the people in Ukraine. Let's send money. Let's say send aid. If you're concerned, please, uh, you know, like send money. And and people are actually fundraising. How many times have you had? this sort of fundraising happening because of the issue in, you know, uh, some country, uh, Sierra Leone or, you know, it, yeah, I think it's quite interesting. Oh, thank you so much, Christine, for, for actually saying that. Uh, I'm very much shocked to realize that you guys are fundraising for people in Ukraine, but you have not given any regard to your East African uh, brothers who... <laughs> who who are obviously right in the middle of a crisis. You know, we, we can talk of so many East African countries that are going through turmoil and not a single day have we heard of um, Kenyans trying to come up with funds and humanitarian aid. But with Ukraine, you guys are so quick to help. <laughs> no, but you know, to be fair, it's uh, how the advert goes, it's, it's a message from the government of, of Ukraine. Maybe our East African neighbors have not made a similar call. <laughs> okay, we can't debate politics right now. Who asked for aid and who hasn't? But I'm just saying the way that people are making it seem as if, you know, some regions are not having problems is a bit unfair. Like I was telling you that there was a time that I was doing research uh, end of last year on what's happening in Burma right now. It's still ongoing, you know, there's a crisis that has been going on for quite some time, people being displaced, you know, a, a lot, but um, nobody's really considering that. It seems as if there has been conflict since the, 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 the coup that happened. And, you know, Thailand, Bangladesh, uh, Laos Republic have just been making public calls because they can't, it has gotten to a point where Bangladesh can no longer contain the influx of refugees from these areas where there is conflict. We always talk of the Palestinian wars. I mean, everybody knows about it, but nobody is very much concerned about it. And I think we really need to send um, a concerted voice in, in respect of how we deal with conflict and crisis in, in, in most of these countries and not just respond and, you know, make so much noise about it simply because, oh, we are scared that bread is going to go up or because I now have to pay a dollar more for my fuel. So because of that, I need to make noise. But there are people also suffering somewhere in other parts of the world and nobody cares because we're not getting anything from them. I think that stance has to change. So I don't know, Christine, if you've got any closing remarks. Uh, Chido, I have no closing remarks, but I think this is quite an interesting topic. Uh, we can touch base on it again at some point. Thank you so much, Christine. Um, we <laughs> hoped that we were going to talk about uh, trade uh, as is, but then we ended up going into how unfair sometimes you know, global policies can get to be. Um, so, yeah, we can always have a, a follow-up discussion on that and um, really look at how we, we, we need to be mindful of these uh, conflicts and turmoils, particularly because they end up affecting most countries and most people that are in no way related to whatever that will be happening at that particular moment. Uh, but to our listeners and, and um, subscribers, we just want to say, what are your thoughts? What do you think has to happen? How do we deal with these issues? 
um, because clearly if you've got two countries in Europe that are fighting, um, they are neighbors and they are fighting, but it ends up getting to, you know, to Kenya, to Egypt, to Zimbabwe, to the US, the whole world has been affected. And I was reading the WTO statistics and they say that it was initially projected that the economy would, the, the, the global GDP would grow uh, by 4.7%. But simply because of the Ukrainian war, it is probably projected that at most it will grow to uh, it will grow by three percent. That's a one point seven percentage margin that we will never be able to recover, especially because we're coming out of COVID. So how then do we make sure that most of these conflicts, if they can't be avoided, they end up not affecting um global trade, investment, supply chain, and all these other issues? So we value your feedback. We value your um your comments, your suggestions. But tonight, it's uh, Christine and Sido, and bye. Bye. Thanks.